All right, well, let me start by saying hello, especially if you're a guest. It is awesome to have you with us. And we are starting this brand new series today called Teach Us to Pray. And uh, it's going to be fun and it's going to be good. It's going to last for three weeks, maybe four. We'll see how it goes. But uh, prayer is a topic that sometimes intimidates people. Uh, Sometimes people don't understand and sometimes people um, don't practice prayer because they don't understand prayer. And uh, so we're going to approach this series over the next three weeks uh, just assuming that you're a type of person that just says, if I'm going to pray, I want my prayers to be effective. And so just treat me like someone who doesn't know how to pray and teach me to pray. And so today we're going to kind of start on a foundational level, uh, not even looking at the words we say. So hopefully you'll find it helpful. Um, The summers between my freshman and sophomore year in college, uh, I was offered a job doing construction, building homes. Uh, In fact, I got to uh, start the job at the beginning of a summer as they were beginning the foundation of a new home. And I was able to work through that whole summer to see that home completed. It was a great, great experience for me to see a home being built from beginning to end. And uh, it was just a great summer for me to learn some skills that I had never learned before. And uh, I'll be honest with you, going into this job, I was a little nervous because I had never really done much construction. I never really swung a hammer, I never really, uh, didn't really know much about studs and measurements and, and how everything worked. And so I was a little nervous coming in and my first day on the job, um, I was kind of thrown out to the wolves and, and these guys wanted to see kind of what I had and the skills that I had. Um, I was working for a man that I knew. He went to our church. He owned his own company and he was generous enough just to, to kind of give me a summer job. And so uh, I kind of went in with this mindset of I'm going to lay low and just watch and observe people and I'll figure it out by watching people and then I'll act like I know what I'm doing. And that was kind of my, my approach to this summer job. And uh, that all kind of got stifled when on the first day as as we were out there, they put a a hammer in my hand and said, we need you to nail these uh, cross beams up on this. um, It was a dock and up on Lake Oconee, the water was down and they were letting us do some repair work. And so all these, I think it was four guys out there besides myself, they just stepped back and and they watched me. I said, just go ahead and put those up. And uh, it was quite embarrassing as I tried to hammer these nails and create the structure that they were instructing me to create. And I felt like if I could have just avoided that and watched them do it, that I would have learned a little bit. But the truth was, until I started swinging that hammer, like it was just going to take a while for me to get it. And uh, I hit fingers and I missed and I messed up boards and uh, they got lots of laughs out of me. But by the end of the summer, I could, I could nail boards together pretty easily. In fact, I can remember with, with a big hammer, we had competitions, and I can remember uh, starting a, a nail and just with one swing, driving it all the way into the board. By the end of the summer, that's, that's how great I felt I had become accomplished at working a hammer. Uh, so that's taken me a long way in life. But I think that when you're in the construction business and you're building homes, even in spite of all the technology where we have uh, nail guns and you don't have to swing a hammer as much as you used to, I think that swinging a hammer is a very basic job requirement for that industry. And I think until you learn that, you're going you're gonna to practice that job 
in a bit of a handicap because you don't possess an essential skill for the job at hand. And in the same manner, I feel like prayer is that essential skill in the life of every Christian. That if we're living Christian lives and we don't understand the basic skill, the basic premise of what it means to pray, then we're walking through our everyday lives missing something that could be so instrumental in the success of our lives as Christians. And you know, just like those guys sat back and laughed at me trying to hit that nail that first day on the job, I think for many people, prayer is kind of a humorous experience. Uh, have you ever been around someone who, when they're asked to pray, they speak completely differently than they normally do? It's amazing how if you ask someone to pray in a room full of people, that their language changes on the spot. And they can talk normal, they can even use slang language, but when you ask them to pray, it's like they went back to the 1600s and they're in King James Version and they're saying these and thou's and we're for art and it's just like, what are you talking about, dude? Like, what is, what is this? Are you trying to impress somebody? And then there's people who, who just honestly, some of their prayers are just funny. And working with teenagers, I always had this rule that we never laugh at someone's prayer. But can I just be honest with you? Some prayers just, they just seem funny because the person praying feels so much pressure to perform in the middle of a prayer that they sometimes get all tangled in the words and they say things that they would never say to, to people in everyday life. And so they're talking to God, supposedly, but they're thinking about others listening to them. And they get all tangled up in their words, and it can be somewhat humorous. And uh, I've been there. You've probably been there. And some people, because of that, they just don't like to pray in public. You can ask someone to pray, and they'll say, I'm good. Just ask somebody else to do it. And, and some people will avoid situations where they feel like it's a possibility that they would be asked to pray. Because that would be the most devastating day in their life for someone to hear them pray. And can I be honest with you, that's twofold. That's a shame that we have created such an environment around prayer in our churches that people would be ashamed to pray in front of one another. But secondly, how sad is it that we can live our lives as Christians ashamed to pray in front of people, to talk to the creator of the universe, to encourage others with our words to God because we're afraid of what they're going to say. And we go through this life, you know, worried about the words that we pray and the things that we say. Um, I, I'll be honest with you, I get asked from time to time to say uh, the opening prayer at chamber events or different public events, and uh, those moments for me create a lot of tension because I feel like I'm expected to pray a prayer that will impress people when the truth is some of the best prayers that will ever be prayed will never be heard by anyone. They'll be prayed in the privacy of your own heart and your own life. You may not even say words out loud. And it's funny how this topic of prayer can keep us from experiencing the benefits of prayer. So my goal for the next three weeks is for you to leave with a foundation of what it means to pray and how to pray so that you will pray, not because it's a duty or a responsibility or it's expected of you or it's something that you need to check off your spiritual to-do list, but because when you experience the power of prayer, it's life-changing. And you'll understand, how did I ever go through life without praying? There's not pressure surrounding this. This is actually an avenue by which I can communicate with God. 
and he will act on my behalf and we can have this dialogue and this relationship that changes every component of my life. And so today what I want to do is, is I want to give you um, four points. Uh, if you have your worship guide with you, you can take a few notes. Um, but before we do, let me, let me just ask this question and then we're going to jump into some scripture. Um, has there ever been a time in your life when you've heard someone pray or you've seen someone pray or you've been around someone who prays and you just know that there was something about the way they were praying that was different from how you pray? I've been around people, uh, my dad is one of these people, my mom is one of these people that when I hear them pray and when I see them pray, sometimes I'm just like, what am I missing? Like something's different in the way they're praying from the way I pray. And especially growing up as a teenager, I would hear people pray and I would just be amazed. Like they know God, like they're best friends. And I wish that I could pray like they pray. And I long to pray like them. But I forget that it's not the words that we say when we pray, but really it's a heart condition that leads us to pray those lives. And it's a relationship that drives those conversations. And uh, so just like when you went on a first date, there might have been some awkward conversation. By the time you got married, there was no awkward conversation. Sometimes when we start talking to God, we feel that awkwardness, maybe because we haven't done it a lot. But the more we pray and the more we learn to pray, the more it becomes more natural and effective in our lives. Uh, so if you're a person that's ever wondered, like, what are you doing that I'm not doing? Um, I want to encourage you that you're not alone. In fact, we're going to look at a passage of scripture uh, in Luke chapter number 11, where one of Jesus' disciples had heard Jesus praying, and he just comes out and says, like, you pray differently than I pray, and I want to know, I want to know the secret. I want to know what's going on. Uh, so let's read this. Luke chapter number 11, verse number 1. It says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Okay, so we see the, the setting here. Jesus is praying. Apparently his disciples hear him pray, or at least one of them does. And there's something different about the prayer that Jesus prays because it so intrigues this disciple that he says, hey, Jesus, um, I couldn't help but hear you praying, and uh, can I just be honest with you? As a disciple, as a Jew, I've grown up praying my whole life. I was taught to pray at a young age, but the prayers that I pray, they're, they're just different from the prayers you pray, and I want to know how to pray. Would you teach me how to pray? So sometimes we forget that uh, most of the disciples were, were Jewish and they would have grown up knowing what it was to pray. They would have prayed a lot. They would have gone to synagogue. They would have said ritualistic prayers. Um, they would have been taught from an early age to pray. But yet this disciple sees something different in the prayers that Jesus prays that it intrigues him enough to ask Jesus to teach him to pray. Now Jesus, in turn, gives him a model prayer. He tells him what to say when he prays. It's, it's come to be known as the Lord's Prayer. Uh, many of us could quote it right now together. Uh, but the truth is, is it wasn't, it wasn't really the Lord's prayer. It was the disciples' prayer. It was a prayer that was a model for the disciples. We don't find the disciples anywhere else in Scripture praying this prayer. So we take it that this isn't like a literal, this is what you should say every time you pray, but rather it's a model for us to learn from. Okay, so now next week we're going to look at that prayer in detail and we're going to learn from it. But Jesus has some other things to say outside of the words that he gives them as a model for that prayer. 
that I want us to focus on today. And uh, I'm going to be a little preachery for you. I'm going to give you four P's to prayer. Uh, so if you have a pen, you can write these down. Uh, and then let me explain this, because we're going to be in two different passages. Uh, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, these are considered synoptic gospels uh, by theologian, meaning they're similar, meaning three different authors tell some of the same stories, maybe a little differently from different uh, viewpoints. Uh, but we see Luke and Matthew both share a portion of this story, okay? And so what I want to do is I want to look at some of the words that Jesus spoke uh, that Matthew recorded. He recorded a few more words than Luke recorded. And uh, so we're going to go to Matthew, and we're going to look at two Ps, and then we're going to come back to Luke, and we're going to look at two other Ps. Uh, and then if you're lucky, I'll give you a fifth bonus P to end. Uh, so today will just be the four, maybe five Ps of prayer, and hopefully it will help you understand uh, prayer a little differently. Uh, so I'm going to jump over to Matthew chapter number five, um, and we're going to get started with our first P. Um, so here you go. If you're taking notes and you like to write something down, uh, your first P in prayer is posture. Your first P in prayer is posture. Uh, I'm a pretty simple person, and I like to relate things that I know to things that I'm trying to describe so that hopefully I can convey what I'm trying to say. Uh, so I love basketball, so if you don't love basketball, you're going to have to bear with me for these first two Ps uh, because that's what I'm going to use to kind of try to describe to you. Uh, this this prayer piece. Um, go Heat, by the way. Love LeBron. All you Kobe fans, I don't know what's up. Uh, so, in basketball, specifically when you're playing defense, it's important for you to have a proper stance. Okay? Can we just get really, really foundational here? Um, if you're playing basketball and you're on defense, which means you're trying to keep the other team from scoring, Okay? They're trying to put a basketball into a basketball goal, and you're trying to defend them from doing that. If you don't have a proper stance, then you don't give yourself much chance of being successful in stopping your opponent from scoring. Now, um, I was always the one that was like, let me guard the best player. You know, I don't care if he averages 48 points a game. I'm going to do my best. I want to stop him, all that kind of stuff. I was really competitive. And so um, I would always ask if it were possible for me to guard their best player. And uh, I guarded some really good players over my time, and some of them made me look foolish. But the, the foundation to good defense in basketball is a good stance. You're never going to guard someone that's good at what they do on offense if you just stand around tall and just act like you're big enough to keep them from scoring, and you're just going to you know, stand out there because they're going to be quick. They're going to go around you. Uh, so we're taught uh, from a very young age in basketball that we have to have a proper stance, that we have to get down low, like we're sitting in a chair, right? We have to sit down low. We want our hands active. We want our hands out. We want to slide our feet. We want to be in a position to where we can respond really quickly to the opponent as they're on offense trying to go around us. So they're trying to go around us and we're trying to keep them from going around us. Now, if I go out to somebody really fast and I'm just like, hey, man, you can't score on me. He's just going to go right around me. But if I come out and I'm in a good stance, I'm down low and I'm looking at his belly button, I'm making sure that I'm not watching the ball, but I'm watching him and I'm sliding my feet, then I have a good chance of defending him. And so your stance is essential to the success of you in defense. Uh, 
We were taught that we were to sit low when we were playing defense, so much so that when I would be guarding a certain person and it looked like he was about to try to dribble and go around me, I would hear people on the bench say things like, hey, sit out on him, sit out on him. Now, that can be confusing if you don't play basketball. <laughs> can I just say that? Um, if you hear that and you're not accustomed to basketball and you're like, hey, sit out on him, like you might literally go and try to knock somebody down and sit on him and think you're not going to score on me. But what they're saying is, remember, your stance is important. You're not going to be successful if you don't get down low. Sit down. Sit down and get down low and move your feet. And so the stance is critical. You have to get low. You have to have your hands moving. And even when you're not guarding the person with a ball, your stance is important. You have to be ready. You have to be in a posture that gives you the ability to react and to defend in a great way. Now, when we pray, it's important for us to have good posture. The stance that we take as we approach prayer is extremely important. It's foundational to our prayers, I would even say. And the posture that I'm speaking of isn't physical, okay? Uh, sometimes we've been taught that we should kneel, we should get on our knees when we pray. Um, you've heard people say that, you know, a person with worn out jeans, see, I pray a lot, and that's why I wore these jeans today. I'm just kidding. But you hear people, like, if their jeans are worn out in the knees, that means they pray a lot. So the posture would mean that they get on their knees a lot when they pray. Or most times when we pray, especially in public, we bow our heads. And so we would say, you know, some people would cross their hands. My son Landon, you know, he, he crosses his hands. He's so cute when he prays. And he bows his head and he closes his eyes. But I'm not talking so much as a physical posture when I'm talking about praying. Uh, let me read to you Matthew chapter number 6, starting in number, verse number 5. This is Jesus speaking, remember, okay? So these aren't my words, and this isn't me telling you, if you want to get all your prayers answered, this is what you do. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples when they've asked to be taught to pray, and this is what he says. He says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full, but when you pray, go into your room Close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. What's Jesus speaking to? Is he, is he telling people that you're never allowed to pray in public? Is he telling people that you're never allowed to say a prayer? No, he's speaking to the posture of the heart of a person that's praying. See, so many times our prayers are driven by trying to impress people or trying to come across as spiritual you know, we think if we say a prayer and someone says that was a great prayer, then we are, you know, very spiritual people. And so sometimes when we pray, we have the wrong motives. And it's almost like we're trying to elevate ourselves. We're trying to be seen by men, heard by men, uh, impressive to other people. And we have this prideful heart when it comes to praying. In fact, people who pray like that rarely pray in private. They only pray in public. And they pray really, can we just be honest, really good prayers. I mean, I would venture to say that they probably have some components of prayer that are memorized. And if they're called to pray in a certain situation, they're going to go right back to that prayer that they've got memorized. They're going to say probably the same thing, but it's going to be really eloquent. And it's going to come across really smooth and really good. That's why so many people, like, I feel like may be disappointed in some of the prayers I pray. 
Sometimes I pray, like people are like, can you pray for me? And I pray, and it's, it's almost like they look at me like, was that it? Like you're, done, like you're the pastor, like I was expecting something a little. And I've just kind of purposed in my heart that I don't need to pray to try to impress people. Like my prayers aren't intended to impress people or to prove my spirituality. I gain nothing by people thinking that I'm spiritual after a prayer. My prayer is intended to communicate with the creator of the universe. And so... Jesus is telling his disciples, when you pray, don't be like that. Don't try to be seen by men, but the best prayer you can pray is, is in your closet, like alone, when no one's watching you. And so the posture of your heart in that position would be one of humility, a posture that says, are you serious? I get to talk to the creator of the universe right now. Like he made the heavens and the earth. He knows every, he knows the number of every hair on every person's head. In the entire earth, he created all the stars and named them all. And I get to talk to him. I'm probably not going to go in there and be like, hey, yo, what's up, Jesus? But I have this heart that's like, wow, I get, I get to speak to you. I get to talk to you. This isn't about me. It's not about me being seen by men or heard by men or being impressive but this is about me submitting myself in a posture that, that really it gives me an opportunity to be successful in my prayers. And so you'll learn, if you want to be effective in your prayers, to have this posture of humility, this posture that just says, Jesus, these next few moments, I'm taken seriously. I'm not just going to kind of walk through this and, and glance through and say a few things because I need to, but... This has potential to change my life. What I'm praying about, what I'm about to pray about, like you have the power to change everything. And so I'm going to come before you humbly. And I think that if we can just grasp that, if that's the only thing that you get today is that your prayers aren't intended for other people, but they're private, and you should have a, an attitude of submission to God, then you've already postured yourself to have an effective prayer. But if you just get up and people, you say some memorized prayer, you're just going through emotions, it's just some, hey, somebody called on me to pray in a circle, we in a group of people, and I said the same thing that I say every time I ever pray, and you just kind of go through the motions. It's almost this prideful, we don't even realize it, but it's this prideful, this prayer isn't really doing much. I'm just saying it because someone asked me to say a prayer. It's kind of my token prayer. Prayer is so much more powerful than that. You have an opportunity to communicate with heaven, with God. And so you submit yourself, you have a good posture, and then you're able to have effective prayers. Now the second P is position. So we've got good posture, but then we've also got to have good position. Let me go back to basketball for, for a few moments. Um, let's say that, that the basketball goal is over here. And this is my opponent. He's got the ball. He's going to try to score on me. And let's say that with the goal over there, that I'm out here, man, I'm low. i got good stance. You know, I'm ready. I'm ready. Like, he's not going to score on me. And he's going to go and dunk, and I'm going to be like, what happened? Like, I was low. I sat down on him. When the truth is, if I'm not positioned well, my posture doesn't really do me much good. Does that make sense? So, so 
fundamental basketball here, we're, we're taught from a very young age that you want to stay between your man and the goal when your man has the ball. You stay between your man and the goal. And you're trying to keep him from getting to the goal. You're trying to keep him out of the middle, push him to the sidelines. You're staying low in a good stance, but your position is to keep him, yourself, between him and the goal. Prayer is very similar. That We have to have ourselves positioned in order to be successful. It doesn't matter what kind of posture we have in prayer and how humble we are. If we're positioned incorrectly, then it's going to be difficult for us to have effective prayer. So let's keep reading what Jesus says here. He says, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans. Some translations say the Gentiles. For they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Isn't that incredible? Your Father knows what you need before you even ask Him. So don't be like the, ba- the pagans. Don't be like the Gentiles who just keep on babbling. They keep on talking. And they think that their many words are going to impress God. Let's say that our need is over here. And we're praying to God about this need. And let's say that this is God over here. What we try to do so often is we try to stay in the middle of our need and God. And we're positioned in between our need and our God. And we think, I don't think that we would always say this out loud, but sometimes I think that we feel like we need to like really tell God why he needs to do something for us because he doesn't really understand and so we keep talking, we're like, God, but I, I mean, if I just had that, then it's going to change everything. It's going to make my life so much greater. And so I really need you to do this for me because if you'll do this for me, and when it's kind of like we're in between our need and God, and we're trying to convince him of what we need as if he doesn't know, and as if we can somehow say the right words that would make him do something for us to get what we want out of our prayers. And sometimes I even think that maybe we're afraid that he and our needs won't line up and so we want to make sure that we're in between them so that we can kind of keep saying oh no God come back come back this way like this is the way that you need to go like I need to bring my needs and God together so that he can answer my prayer it's just so backwards we, we use all these words and we try to convince God and we keep saying things over and over again and the truth is God already knows our needs. We don't need to stay between God and our needs. We need to make sure that God is between us and our needs. And see, when God is between us and our needs, he already knows what we need before we even ask. So there may be times when I pray and say things to God, trying to convince him that I don't even fully understand the need. And I'm praying things like, God, I really need you to do this. And God's like saying, That's not really your need. Like what you really need is something different. And it's going to affect that, but it's not going to happen the way that you think it should happen. And what you really need is something else. See, when we allow God to stay between us and our needs, he knows what we need before we even ask. He knows our needs better than we know our needs. And so now I'm able to say, instead of blah, 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 but God, but God, but God, but please, but please, but please, we're able to say, Hey, God, you know what I need. You know the situation. And I'm asking you to show me the best resolution to this situation. 
We'll talk next week about the actual words that Jesus taught us to pray, but when he talks about your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, this is us saying to God, I'm giving you permission to be to my needs something that I may not even fully understand what it needs to be. It doesn't matter how humble we are when we pray. If we're constantly trying to say, hey, but God, but God, you got to do this. Like, if you don't do this, then something's going to go bad. And we keep rambling and rambling and rambling. It's because we're positioned poorly. And we allow God to come between us and our knees, and he can do so much more for us than we even can fathom or imagine on our own. He's that's incredible. So that might, it might hurt your feelings to, to know that the things that you're going to pray about, God already knows. It may disappoint you because you might feel like your words are really important to God and you enlighten him and you tell him something that he doesn't know. And if it weren't for you, like he wouldn't know what's going on down here on earth. You're kind of like his go-between. So I'm sorry if that hurts your feelings, but he already knows and he knows better than you. So stop trying to get between him and your needs and just allow him to get between you and your needs. And if you position yourself with good posture correctly, then you can see results of effective prayers much better. Now let's go back to Luke chapter number 11. So Jesus tells this disciple a specific prayer, words that he should pray. We'll talk about those next week. But then he goes on to say some things in Luke that Matthew didn't record that I want to talk about for our next two Ps. So we've talked about posture and we've talked about position. The third P is persistence. Persistence. Verse number five of Luke chapter 11, after he's given them the words to say, he says, and then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and he goes to him at midnight and says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. I have a need. Someone's come. I need to provide something for them that I don't have. And the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Translation, like, I don't care if you're in bed and your kids are there. Like, I'm going to ring the doorbell, and you'll eventually get out of the bed. You can tell me to go away all you want, but until you give me something that I need, I'm convinced that you have something that I could use that would profit me, that would benefit me, that would allow me to go through this situation I'm about to go through in a bit of a better way. And I'm just not willing to take no for an answer. Some of you know people, they don't take no for an answer. And they're honestly some of the most successful people in our world. Because to them, not receiving something that they ask for isn't an option. And so when it comes to prayer, here's something that we so often miss. Is we forget that Jesus himself tells us that we should be persistent in our prayers. How many of you have ever prayed a prayer? You prayed like one prayer. You say, God, I need this, and you didn't get it. And you're like, well, I'm not going to get that. And you don't ever pray about it again. And then it comes to something else, and what happens? You pray one prayer, it doesn't happen. You're like, well, guess I'm not going to get that either. What happens after a period of time of doing that? You stop praying altogether because if the things that you ask for you don't get, 
immediately, you never pray again, then you figure, why should I even pray? And Jesus says, you've got to have a persistence in your prayers that's driven by this deep conviction and belief that God can answer your prayer. That he's got the loaves of bread that you need. I think sometimes maybe God sits up in heaven and it's like he's got the door shut on our prayers and it's like he's saying, I wonder if he's going to ring the doorbell or if he's just going to leave and go. It's like, oh, he's, he's keeping knocking like, Holy Spirit, look. He's getting hungry. Like, he wants his bread. Look at him. He's getting hungry for this. And I wonder sometimes if he just wants to know how much we truly believe that he can answer our prayers. So many times we just give up and we're like, well, I guess, I guess I'm not going to get that, so I'll just stop praying about it. And it's like God's like, what? You don't think that I can do that for you? You don't think that I can provide that basic necessity? Don't you remember like I created everything? You're just going to give up on it that easily? You don't think that I can heal you of this sickness? You don't think that I can mend that relationship? You're just going to give up on it that easily? Don't you remember who I am and what I've done? Sometimes it's important for us to understand that when we pray for things, we have to be persistent, relentless. And it's not this manipulative attitude that just says, I'm going to talk God into giving me anything that I want. We'll talk about the next week some of the words in Jesus' prayer. But I think that if you have the correct posture and you're in the correct position, then you're set up for success to just hold on to that prayer and keep praying that prayer until you see some results. And sometimes you pray for weeks and sometimes you pray for years. I know people who have prayed for tens and dozens of years for family members to come to know Christ and they eventually see the answers to their prayers. And I also know people who have probably given up on those prayers because it didn't happen immediately or the way they thought it would. But if you've got the correct posture and you're positioned correctly, if you'll learn to be persistent in your prayers, if you'll learn to be so convinced that God can answer that prayer that you'll never stop praying about it until you see the prayer answered, then you're going to begin to see this boldness come out of you that should be driven by God's word. When we get to know his word more, we'll talk about this next week, and we understand his will more, then our prayers are going to change. And when we become persistent about them, then that driving belief that God can answer any prayer that we pray is what's going to keep us fueled towards seeing effective prayers. So we've got good posture. We're positioned correctly. We're persistent in our prayers. Let me give you the fourth P. The fourth P is a promise. And it's a promise. And, and this, is, uh, this, this isn't like preacher lingo for I'm going to teach you something that's going to let you get everything that you want out of life. Like this, this is Jesus' words to us. And I hope that can be foundational to us in hearing this promise today. But listen to what Jesus says in verse number 9 of Luke chapter 11. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Isn't that powerful? If you come before God with the correct posture and the correct position with persistence, then if you ask, Jesus says, it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks the door will be opened. 
Which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Do you believe that promise? Or do you just chalk that up to, well, yeah, whatever? See, I think we don't pray because we don't always believe that our prayers are going to make a difference. But Jesus says to you and to me, if you ask, it will be given to you. If you seek, you will find. If you knock, that door will be open to you. Sometimes it's a lot of seeking, and it's a lot of knocking, and it's a lot of asking. But if we may remain persistent in a good position with correct posture, then we have this promise that we can hold on to when it comes to prayer. And the promise is, that God will answer your prayers. Now, now let me give you kind of my two cents on this because I think a lot of people teach this incorrectly. Any prayer that you pray is not guaranteed because of this promise to be answered in the way that you expect it to be answered. Okay? You can pray for a sports car all you want. And chances are, until you steward your money and save up to buy a sports car, you're probably not going to get a sports car like God isn't in the business of just delivering sports car though he can I believe he can and maybe he will I don't know we don't have this like open ended promise like you know I'm going to pray for you know the biggest business I want to be the most popular person in all the world I want it to happen in 60 days ready go God you said you were going to do it are you a liar so many people have this arrogant attitude when it comes to their prayers, like, well, if God is what he says he is and he does what he says he's going to do, then he'll answer this prayer. And what is that person doing? They're not postured correctly. They're not in the right position. They're definitely not persistent. God doesn't give you this blanket. He'll answer every prayer the way he says, the way you expect him to. But he does give you this promise that if you ask, it will be given to you. And I think that there is such peace in knowing that Jesus has promised that. That it's not just some preacher trying to manipulate you and tell you that if you give a certain amount of dollars and your prayer is going to be answered. I think it's ridiculous how we treat prayer so many times in our culture or how it's been treated. But why would you even pray if you didn't believe that God would give you what you asked for? I mean, are you just that caught up in traditions and customs that you would allow yourself to pray some vain, empty prayer without any expectation. See, this promise of God, it's the very fuel to our prayers. It's this deep conviction that he promised us that he would answer our prayers, that he would give us what we ask, that we would find what we're seeking, that the door that we're knocking on is going to be open to us if we pray for him. And so we don't have to treat prayer like some distant, foreign, that works for you, I can never do that kind of mentality. Like you can, might can hit that nail in twice and it's in. It's going to take me a long time, so I'm just not going to do it. Maybe I'm not set up to pray. Maybe that's for you, it's not for me. No. Jesus promises you and me and all of us. He'll answer our prayers. And so I want us to understand before we even talk about the words that we want to say in prayer 
that posture and position and persistence and this promise is the foundation of an effective prayer life. If you don't get these four things, then chances are you might just kind of stumble through some motions and never have a deep conviction that prayer works. And you're constantly going to look at people who have their prayers answered, who you feel like have some kind of knowledge that you don't have. It's going to be intimidating to you, but to them, you're like, man, that's just, I wish I had that. And it's because you don't understand that you've got to have posture and position and persistence and hold on to this promise. And let me give you a, a fifth P. Practice. I am fully convinced that the more we pray, the more it does to put us in tune with the heart of God. And when our lives are in tune with the heart of God, we're going to talk about this next week, that's when we start seeing our prayers answered. And so it may start out as something that seems difficult or intimidating. And chances are there might be people that would laugh at us if they heard some of our prayers. But that's not the point. The point is that if you never start praying, like you won't ever feel like you're good at praying. So you've got to start somewhere. And then you just keep praying. And the more you pray, the more in touch you become with the reality that God wants to answer your prayers. And so we say, Lord, teach us to pray and he does. And it's not difficult. And you don't have to have a PhD. And you don't have to have a seminary degree. And you don't have to have the whole Bible memorized to get prayers answered. You can be someone who has bad grammar and get good prayer results. As long as you have good posture. As long as you're in a good position. As long as you're willing to be persistent. And as long as you actually believe in Jesus' promise, and then you put it into practice. Not in some repetitive, one day I'll actually start the real praying, I'm just practicing now, but the art of praying, the practice of praying, the habit of praying, that as we pray, it's not a second thought, like, hey, wait, I'm in major crisis mode here. My whole life's falling apart. Maybe now I should go and pray. But rather it would be something that drives you into each and every situation that you'll ever face. So I encourage us together to pray with these five Ps, specifically the four, and let that be a foundation that as we come back next week and actually look at the words that we say in our prayers will give us the results that Jesus promised that we would receive. Now let me pray for us. Lord, I am so thankful that you don't judge us by the words that we say in our prayers and um, the impressiveness of our words and the eloquence of our speech. But Lord, you care more about a heart and a posture and a position and our persistence and a belief and a promise that you've given us that you'll answer our prayers. And, and my biggest prayer right now, Lord, is that you would teach us, teach us to pray. None of us are experts, and we don't have it all figured out. And it doesn't matter how long we've prayed, you can teach us. And then the more we know you and get to know you in and through prayer, the better results we're going to get out of our prayers. And I pray, Lord, that you would just begin to open our eyes 
to the prayers that you answer in our lives every day. Maybe not the way we envision them being answered or the way that we imagine or the way that we desired, but we can believe firmly and securely that you're going to answer our prayers. I thank you for that foundation and that belief. I pray, Lord, that you'll teach us to pray. In Jesus' name, amen.